Hi there, dear friend, and thank you for tuning in. Welcome to Faith FM, Drive Time Big Q&A. This is the program where we respond to difficult questions concerning God, faith, contemporary religion, and the Bible. This is the program where we look at uh, world religious trends in the light of Bible prophecy. You're listening to Hugh Heenan, currently ministering out of Trinity Gardens, Seventh-day Adventist, as well as Faith Adventist Centre in Mawson Lakes in Adelaide, South Australia. And I'm delighted to be able to spend the next hour with you as we explore uh, this week's topic as we look at uh, did God create hell or how good is God in creating hell? It seems like an oxymoron. It seems like something which uh, doesn't quite compute or uh, or fit together. And today's related topic is... Is Satan in charge of hell? Now, so far during this week uh, on our uh, Drive Time Big Q&A, we've had various different presenters uh, share on the the following topics. Is hell real? What and where is hell? Uh, Then on Tuesday, how did Christ relate to judgment and hell? And uh, Wednesday was where did the hellfire teaching originate? Does hell burn forever? Uh, and of course then today, as I just mentioned, today's topic is, is Satan in charge of hell? Now this might seem like uh, quite a fixation on the topic of hell. It just happens to be this week's topic, uh, an important topic nonetheless, but one that is uh, all about our future, all about uh, uh, what God has in mind for his people. Not that he wants us to go to hell, but he wants us to rather instead to enjoy heaven. And so uh, God offers to us the great joy and the reward of heaven with him. However, uh, not everyone will want to be in heaven. And, uh, and so, uh, uh, consequently, uh, we're looking today at the topic of, uh, hell and, you know, is Satan in charge of a place called hell? Now, I'm not alone in, uh, in the, uh, uh, studio, so to speak, here today. I actually have joining me on the phone uh, here in Adelaide uh, my fellow colleague and friend, uh, Pastor Ricardo Schaeffer. And uh, it's great to have you with us, Ricardo. Great to be here once again, Hugh. It's a privilege. Now, Thank Ricardo, you. you you happen to uh, <clears throat> also minister here in Adelaide, and uh, so tell us whereabouts do you minister? I'm pastoring two churches. One is at College Park, and the other one is at Wistow. And uh, and uh, I know that you've only just recently arrived here in uh, in Adelaide, and uh, so it's good to have you on board with our team uh, this this year. And uh, we're looking forward to hearing what you're going to be sharing with us today Thank as you. we explore this That's topic of is Satan in charge of hell? Uh, interesting topic, a provocative topic. <clears throat> One, in fact, I think uh, is uh, a question that has uh, 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 intrigued the minds of both uh, atheists. And Christians alike. And uh, today, uh, I know that uh, as Ricardo takes us through, what does God say? What does the Bible say about this important topic? That we'll begin to have some light shed upon it and begin to get some answers to that very question. So, before we move in that direction, however, I'd like to uh, just at this point in time share with us a, a wonderful song. It's uh, by Lady Love Smith and Reggie Smith. Uh, it is "Marvel Not at What I Say." i 
Well, welcome back, dear listeners. And uh, isn't it wonderful to think that there is a day that the Bible speaks of as the Resurrection Day, a day where uh, the dead in Christ shall rise, shall awake, as it were, uh, to newness of life forevermore, a day, a resurrection of joy. And at the resurrection, there is a time of judgment. Uh, a really interesting uh, segue, I guess, to uh, uh, this song, to our topic today, uh, in that today we're looking at the wonderful joy that God has in store for all those whom he loves, and that's everyone. He wants all to have eternal life and none to miss out. He wants everyone to enjoy heaven together with him. However, that raises the question, what then about hell? What does the Bible say about hell, and what does it in actual fact really say about this topic? Because surely it does speak about hell just as much as it speaks also about heaven. Uh, but uh, today we're going to, uh, uh, before we move into that topic with uh, my dear friend Ricardo, we're going to, uh, first of all, just consider uh, what we customarily like to do here on Drive Time Big Q&A, and that's look at uh, what's happening in the current world around us, uh, different significant world religious trends uh, or prophetic developments and uh, religion in the news in general. Now, uh, uh, what's caught my attention today is that uh, a couple of days ago uh, in the Australian uh, newspaper, uh, there was an article that uh, uh, raises the question about Christophobia. And I must admit that this was quite a new uh, term for for me. I hadn't come across uh, uh, this term before, uh, and the byline to this is uh, to this article is Christianity is the most persecuted religion on the planet. Christianity, in fact, uh, uh, is is so persecuted. How come we never hear about the deadly and widespread scourge of Christophobia? Really interesting uh, byline to to this article. I actually couldn't read the article itself. It's behind a paywall. Uh, And uh, so I I thought to myself, well, uh, what then is this uh, whole term of Christophobia about? Is it really just about uh, the persecution of Christianity? Uh, And uh, to what extent is Christophobia an apt term uh, for such a phenomena? I must admit that uh, as I think about the term Christophobia or Christian Christianophobia, probably Christophobia runs off the tongue a bit easier, uh, it, it seems that uh, it's an unusual term uh, to be using. I looked it up in the Macmillan Dictionary and it says here that uh, Christophobia is the intolerance of, or hostility towards, or discrimination against Christians. Uh, now I'm used to hearing about religious discrimination or persecution, but uh, uh, Christophobia. Uh, it seems like it's a it's a recent or or new term. Uh, Ricardo, as as you think about uh, that term, Christophobia, um, why or why not do you think perhaps this may be a a useful or maybe not so useful term to uh, refer to uh, uh, the persecution or discrimination against people because of their their uh, Christian faith? Yeah, interesting term that you're sharing. Uh, I haven't come across that term before. Um, obviously, it is grammatically correct. Christophobia means the you know hatred of anything that has to do with Christ, including Christians. Um, we know that Jesus told us already, um, as he was prophesying, the things that were going to happen before his second coming. He said, um, and in, in in his sermon on the mount as well, he said, "Blessed are you when they revile you and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely." For my sake, you know, uh, we know that um, Christianity will be tested and hated by 
a lot of people. But at the same time, um, by using terms such as that, uh, Christophobia, it seems to me that we're promoting it in a way. You know, we don't want to promote hatred against Christians or Christianity. Uh, the, the, the sentiment is, is there. It is present in, in some people. But um, I think that's my personal opinion. By, by using terms like that, we are like, in a way, promoting uh, hatred towards Christians. Yes, I'm inclined to agree with you there, Ricardo. As I, when I came across this term, uh, I couldn't help but feel a little bit uh, um, uncomfortable, maybe even a bit of an awkward term, I think, to be using. And uh, as I considered it, uh, it seemed to me that uh, it was uh, one that didn't, uh, a label that didn't seem to stick particularly well. I mean, when we think of phobias, mm-hmm. we think of irrational fears. Um, and I think we tend to call a lot of things in society these days a, a phobia of this or of that. Uh, and um, we, we tend to describe uh, uh, forms of hatred or discrimination uh, and then unhelpfully conflate them with internal feelings or thoughts as if those feelings or thoughts are the same thing as the external actions. Um, people have all sorts of motivations and reasons for the uh, the actions of discrimination or persecution that they undertake, mm-hmm. and it just seemed to me that it, uh, it may not necessarily be an apt term for all of the rationales that may exist in a in a per, in a person's mind for persecuting uh, Christians or any particular faith, for that matter, as well. They may not actually be afraid of them at all. Uh, so yes, it seemed like a bit of a strange term to be using. Um, I came across an article uh, in Christian Concern uh, online, and it seemed to reflect some of the uh, discomfort that I had with this term. And they, they make an interesting uh, analogy here. They they point out that coveting and jealousy may lead someone to steal another person's property, but that doesn't mean we rename car theft vehicle jealousy. You know, to, to do so really misses the point. You know, it makes false assumptions that you know not everyone who is jealous steals, and not every car that is stolen is because the person was jealous who stole it. Um, so mm-hmm. it, it seems to uh, uh, to be a misnomer for the reality, which is actually dis- religious discrimination or persecution. Yes, it could be due to hatred. Yes, it could be due to fear. Yes, it could be due to ignorance. It could be due to any number of different things. Yes. But, uh, yes, it does seem to want to read into the inner motivations of a person's heart, something which is really difficult for us as human beings to do. Would, would you think that, uh, uh, perhaps, Ricardo, that this is a lot of behind a lot of the issues we see in the world today where uh, we find ourselves labeling people according to how we think they think instead yes. of actually looking at, uh, at, at uh, what's, what's occurring objectively? Definitely, and without understanding the background. Um, and it seems that for some people, just because of the fact that the term exists, in this case, Christophobia or Christophobia, uh, it seems to justify the, the action of hating Christians, mm. you know, just because the term exists. That's what I meant when I said we should not promote it by, you know, repeating this word. Mm, mm. Yes, that's right, and I think also let's um, <clears throat> let's uh, face it. Uh, quite often in this uh, in this day and age, any time that we wish to maybe just uh, uh, shut down debate or free speech or, or any kind of discussion, mm. it's very easy and quickly uh, possible to label someone something and call them something phobic. Uh, and of course, we see this in regards to a number of different areas. You know, you could speak of uh, homophobia. 
uh, Islamophobia, mm-hmm. uh, transphobia, and here we have, uh, as you've rightly pointed out, Christophobia or Christophobia. Um, and so it seems like every single minority group uh, in, in the country would want to have a phobia of their own. Uh, and, um, and sometimes accusations may carry some merit, but more often than not, they're simply used as tools to shut down critical thought and debate and, yes. uh, and assessment of, of the beliefs or the ideas. Uh, of others, uh, in other words, they're ideologically driven rather than being uh, driven by a desire to to learn and to know what's actually true in the public discourse. Uh, and so, yes, it seems like a, a rather strange term to be using. I'm not really sure uh, that we as Christians should be adopting such a term with regards mm. to how people treat us. So, what are your thoughts on on whether we should adopt mm. this term or not as Christians? I don't think we should. No. We should instead promote the love of Christ. Mm. Uh, that that, that oh, should man. be something that counteracts, you know, this this feeling of hatred that that Jesus foretold. By the way, we we know that we're going to have to deal with that as we approach uh, the end of time. Mm. But um, maybe we should counteract that feeling with the the love of Christ, what he what he showed us. Uh, amen to that. I love what you're saying there, Ricardo, because it's so true, isn't it? Jesus himself said that uh, he did not come to condemn the world, but to save the world mm. through himself, through his life sacrificed on our behalf. And there's no greater love than the love that mm. he has had by doing that. In fact, the Bible says that uh, our perfect love, the love of God for us, and God is love, but that perfect love of God uh, drives out uh, all fear. And uh, mm. so we have a Christian's uh, really are, and wherever the Spirit of Christ lives and dwells and moves amongst uh, human beings, uh, one would have to hope and think, of course, that uh, by the power of God and his resurrection power and his great love, that uh, there won't be room for fear, but rather instead uh, that uh, wherever Christ is found, that there will be love, and a love that uh, mm-hmm. ennobles and a love that uh, uh, that uh, transforms uh, rather than deforms or or, or that uh, leads to uh, division or to fear. Exactly. Mm. Well, really interesting uh, to, to, to bandy around some terms. It seems like every uh, every group these days wants to have a term applied to itself or to re-signify <laughs> itself uh, in order to change the uh, the public thinking about uh, how people might perceive them in whatever way. Yes. Um, but sometimes these these terms are not always as helpful <laughs> as as what uh, uh, they are. Um, uh, purported to be. Um, so, uh, yes, uh, I don't think, uh, in all honesty, uh, that there's too many people who are really afraid of homosexuals or afraid of uh, trans people or afraid of uh, of Christians, for that matter. Um, and uh, if anything, uh, that uh, phobia is probably something really that we should leave to the psychologists to talk about rather than uh, mm. to those who debate in the in the public square about uh, the most important ideas and questions of the day. Uh, anyway, just some, some thoughts there with regards to, mm. uh, to current events and uh, some of what's in the public discourse. And uh, this came about, as we mentioned, due to an article uh, in the Australian newspaper from two days ago. And uh, if you'd like to uh, look up the article we were referencing as well, uh, why not to use Christophobia or Christophobia, um, you might like to check that out on Christian Concern uh, from 2019. All right. Well, uh, God bless you, uh, dear listeners. We're looking forward to sharing with you uh, some really important uh, good news and hope with regards to the the, the uh, ultimate destiny of us all, heaven or hell. And God wants all of us to be in heaven. 
Uh, he wants us all to be embraced in his love. Uh, but that then raises the question, what then about hell? What and where is hell? What is hell? But uh, these are questions we've already looked at this week. Today we're going to be looking at the question of, uh, is Satan in charge of hell? And we really encourage you not only to listen to this program today, but also to uh, perhaps tune in via the website and uh, and, and consider in totality or um, uh, in, in in terms of the whole uh, coverage of of these uh, interrelated topics regarding judgment and hell. Uh, to look at that uh, on our Faith FM website, Drive Time Big Q and A, and you'll hear what uh, a bevy of uh, uh, presenters have shared straight from the Word of God regarding this really important topic. Because nobody wants to be in hell. Everybody, I would hope, would want to be in heaven. How about you, Ricardo? Yes, me too. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. All right. We're, about it. <laughs> well, we're going to do our very best to highlight what everything that Jesus has done to make it possible for us to be uh, in heaven rather than hell, and to to I guess to uh, remove some misapprehensions that people have about this question: Is Satan in charge? Of hell, uh, we'll come to that very soon with Ricardo. Uh, but first, let's just have a little prayer together. And I wonder, Ricardo, would you be happy to to lead us in prayer? I'd be honoured. Let's pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, once more we um, humbly come to your throne of grace to ask you to help us with your Holy Spirit um, to explain this topic of hell with your Word. So, Lord, be with our listeners, be with us as we uh, present this topic as well. Thank you, dear Father. We uh, ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much, Ricardo. Um, to help us in this discussion and, and our listeners as well, beyond the uh, uh, the frame of uh, today's program, uh, we have a free offer. Uh, it is uh, a book called Judgment and Hell. God may be kinder than you think. And this is a great book. It's written by Jim Eyre. It's, uh, it has a lot of down-to-earth language woven into a skillful yet pragmatic Bible study um, which Jim shines the light of Bible truth to reveal a God who always acts with justice, mercy, and most importantly, absolute love and fairness. And uh, so, dear listener, if you'd like to uh, have a copy of today's free offer, Judgment and Hell, God may be kinder than you think. Uh, all you need to do is to text the code word SA, that's capital S, capital A, SA52, SA52 to 048880811. That's uh, texting SA52, that's the code word, uh, to the number 04888880811. And uh, uh, this free offer will be yours, this wonderful book, Judgment and Hell, God May Be Kinder Than You Think. All right, well, uh, just before we... uh, uh, tune in to the thoughts that uh, God's Word has uh, bathed your mind with there, Ricardo, on this very important topic. We're now going to uh, turn our attention towards uh, a word from our sponsors and uh, and another great song, this time from the Downing family. Uh, and uh, uh, this is a, a song uh, that is saying, If that don't make you want to go. Uh, speaking about heaven, but also mm. the intersection between these two topics of heaven and of hell. This program is made possible by the support of Adventist World Radio. Hi, I'm Michael, the station director here at Faith FM. Faith FM is almost 11 years old and it's been incredible to see how God has used us to change lives around Australia in every community we reach. I'd like to invite you to partner with Faith FM in supporting and growing your station by giving whatever God calls you to share. You can go to faithfm.com.au slash donate or call us on 1-800-FAITH-FM to see how you can make a difference. Thanks for listening. 
once saw a golden city New Jerusalem come down Twelve jasper walls and gates of pearl Such splendor all around And he tells about a river of life That flows beneath the throne Where we'll drink and live eternally In a mansion all our own Oh, if that don't make you wanna go Brother If that don't make you wanna go Sister If that don't make you wanna go To heaven I don't know what does They say there is no heartache there And no more curse of sin No sickness and no cross to bear And death can't enter in Perfect peace. Oh, if that don't make you wanna go, brother, if that don't make you wanna go, sister, if that don't make you wanna go to heaven, I don't know what does. Well, welcome back, dear listeners. Isn't it wonderful to think that uh, that there's so much uh, joy and love and peace that awaits us in heaven? And if that doesn't make you want to go to heaven, I don't know what will. Uh, and uh, so often in times past, there have been those who've tried to frighten people away from hell in order to get to heaven. Uh, and perhaps that's not always been the best approach. We talked about uh, a little while ago uh, Christophobia or Christophobia, being afraid of Christ rather than loving Christ. We've also talked... Uh, or heard through this song the fact that uh, what should really draw us towards wanting to be in heaven is wanting to be with our loving God. Uh, And yet sometimes people focus on hell 
as some sort of rationale to find our way to heaven rather than to just simply want to be with Jesus in that wonderful place. So I'm just going to hand across now to Ricardo. And Ricardo, I wonder if you would take us through this really important uh, topic regarding hell uh, and uh, in particular the question, is Satan in charge of hell and what does this tell us uh, about the uh, the character of God so uh, Ricardo uh, perhaps you might like to share with us um, about this really important topic is Satan in charge of hell that's a very good topic and I think we should all clearly understand uh, what the Bible says about hell because if a misunderstanding about this topic can actually draw us away from God um, so I'd like to start by looking at the word hell itself. The word hell has been translated from different words uh, with various meanings. For example, in the Old Testament, 31 times the word hell has been translated from the word Sheol, which means the grave. Okay, so 31 times the word Sheol appears in the Bible, in the Old Testament, and it means Grave, but it has been translated as, as hell. Uh, in the New Testament, it, it's been translated from the word Hades ten times, which also means the grave. Then twelve times from the word Gehenna, which means the place of burning. And one time from the word Tartarus, which means a place of darkness. So 54 times in total. That's, these are the meanings of the word that we now have, you know, hell. It's interesting. Uh, it doesn't give us uh, the idea of eternal burning. I know it says the place of burning, but is it eternal? So we have to have a look at that. Um, you know, coming from Queensland, I never had to worry about lighting a fire or burning wood in a fireplace, you know. So I've been learning. <laughs> <laughs> learning to choose the right type of wood, you know, to make it last, etc. Welcome to Adelaide, and as I was, <laughs> yes, thank you so much. <laughs> as I was doing that, you know, the other day, uh, I was feeling, you know, how hot this is, and I was thinking, wow, um, burning the idea of burning forever and ever—that is just beyond comprehension. Is that what a loving God? would do to to sinners so um obviously and as as we will prove with the bible the answer is no um in 1741 jonathan edwards was pastoring in northampton massachusetts uh, during the great awakening and he preached one of his famous sermons entitled sinners in the hands of an angry god i'm I don't know if uh, you listeners have, are familiar with this, uh, but that was one of the most uh, famous sermons, uh, sermons preached by Jonathan Edwards. In a graphic description of hell, he pled with his listeners to flee from sin and to run to the Savior. And here's an excerpt of that sermon. Look at the uh, how it makes you feel. It says, The God that holds you over the pit of hell much as one holds a spider or some loathsome insect over the fire, abhors you and is dreadfully provoked. His wrath towards you burns like fire. He looks upon you as worthy of nothing else but to be cast into the fire. He is of purer eyes than to bear to have you in his sight. 
You are 10,000 times as abominable in his eyes as the most hateful, venomous serpent is in ours. How dreadful is the state of those that are daily and hourly in the danger of this great wrath and infinite misery. And then he continued, he said, there is reason to think that there are many in this congregation, he said, now hearing this discourse that will actually be the subjects of this very misery to all eternity. How does that make you feel? Wow, <clears throat> sort of got me shaking in the studio here, I must admit. <laughs> I'm, feeling, I'm feeling fear coming on. I'm not feeling love. Mm. That doesn't draw me closer to God mm. at all. And it's no wonder that in the 19th century, somebody that I don't want to share the name of this book in order to not promote it, but somebody published a children's book capturing this popular concept or teaching of hell for those little readers. It was a book for children. And his words appeared in that book. I'll, I'll read uh, an excerpt here. It says, little child, if you go to hell, there will be a devil at your side to strike you. He will go on striking you every minute forever and ever without ever stopping. How then will your body be after the devil has been striking it every moment for a hundred million years without stopping? Mm. You know, mm. the teaching of everlasting hell, everlasting suffering has arguably turned more people away from Christianity than any other single teaching. Mm. And so we want to show with the Bible what is hell and who's in charge of that. And I've got um, 13 questions that I would like to quickly answer with the Bible, of course. So question number one, how many lost souls are being punished in hell today? And the Bible says in Second Peter 2, 9, the Lord knows how to deliver the godly out of temptations and to reserve the unjust under, puni under punishment for the day of judgment. To reserve them for the day of judgment. So there is not a single soul in hellfire today. The Bible says that God reserves or holds back the wicked until the day of judgment to be punished. Not today. Uh, so that's one thing that we need to uh, clarify from the Bible. Now, so if no one is burning in hell today because all the wicked ones have been reserved to the hellfire for the future, for the day of judgment, when will the lost be cast into hellfire? Again, using one of um, uh, the words of, of Jesus, in Matthew 13, 42-42, he said, so it will be at the end of this age, see, the Son of Man will send out his angels and they will gather out of his kingdom all things that offend and those who practice lawlessness and will cast them into the furnace of fire. When is that? At the end of his age. And the same thing Jesus said in John twelve forty eight, the word that I have spoken will judge him in the last day. So clearly, the lost will be cast into hell at the great judgment, at the end of the world, not when they die. This is very important. Mm. 
So God would not punish a person in fire until his or her case was tried and decided in court at the end of the world. Does it make sense that God would burn a murderer who died 5,000 years ago, uh, 5,000 years longer than a murderer who dies today and deserves the same punishment? It doesn't make sense, right? Um, that's, so, that's a very rational question to ask, isn't it? I, this is very eye-opening, yes. I'm sure, for many of our listeners. Yeah, thank, please continue, Ricardo. Very interesting. Sure, and we would not expect that from a fair God, as we know oh. He is. The third question: Where are the unsaved who have already died? Where are they? Okay, again, using the Bible, John five twenty-eight and twenty-nine says. The hour is coming, like the song that we just listened. Mm. Uh, the hour is coming in which all who are in the graves will hear his voice and come forth. Those who have done good to the resurrection of life and those who have done evil to the resurrection of condemnation. So where are they? In the grave. So, um, and again, Job 21 30 and also 32 says that the wicked is reserved to the day of destruction. Yet shall he be brought to the grave and shall remain in the tomb. So the Bible is very clear. Both the, the unsaved and the saved who have died are in their graves, sleeping, so to speak, to use the Bible's same words, until the resurrection day until the judgment the, or the execution of the judgment. So in other words, the word sleeping there that you've used, it's a biblical term and it's a euphemism for death. Is that right? Exactly. Mm. Because all who are in the grave will be resurrected, some for eternal life, some for eternal condemnation or destruction, as we will show from the Bible. So there's a better day coming where there's a resurrection that will take place and... Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess the good good thing is that uh, when we sleep, we know that we're going to uh, wake up. And that's the end result yes. of sleep. And, and likewise with death, that with death, there shall be a awakening, a, a resurrecting uh, of the dead, the righteous dead, uh, by the Lord Jesus Christ. So that, that's exactly. something really wonderful to look forward to. Um, so, yes. Um, yeah, share with us some more about, uh, about what, what to then expect uh, in what follows. Of course. So there is more beyond the grave, as we can see. Now, it is our choice. <laughs> what is beyond the grave? Eternal life or eternal death? So the Bible is clear again in uh, as to telling us what is the end result of sin. In Romans 6, 23, we're told the wages of sin is death, that mm. the gift of God is eternal life mm. in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Oh, that's good news. Right. Mm. So uh, what is a way the wages? What is that? Isn't that something that we earn? <laughs> yes. Hard earned. Right. Yes. You know, you work and you receive your wages. You've earned it. But so it says there that the wages of sin is death. That means we've earned death. We deserve it. Mm. But then, on the contrary, it says, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Mm. A gift is not something that we've earned. A gift is something that we receive. Yes. We cannot earn eternal life. We don't deserve it. Oh, but we gracious. can accept it as a gift from God. Mm. That's why this verse uses two different words, wages and gift. Mm. One, we've earned it. 
the other one, we cannot earn it, but we ha- uh, we have the option of accepting it, which is great. Yes. So the end result of sin is death. If it were true that sinners will burn forever and ever and ever in the fires of hell, then they will never die. But the Bible says the wages of sin is death. death. Yes. It's so if we clear, want to, yeah, if we want to adhere to the Bible, then uh, uh, sinners eventually will just die forever, mm-hmm. as opposed to eternal life. This is eternal death. Um, so. Let's read a bit more. What will ex- uh, what will happen to the wicked in hellfire? Exactly. Uh, Revelation twenty one verse eight. And I'm, I hope that you listeners are taking notes of these verses to read them again at home. It says, "The cowardly, unbelieving, abominable, murderers, sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars shall have their part in the lake." which burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. See the word death? Mm. If you were to remain alive throughout eternity while you're burning in the hells, in, in the fires of hell, then you would not die. It would not be a second death. The first death is the one that we all die in this life for different reasons. Mm. Everyone will be resurrected, as we mentioned, some for eternal life and some for eternal condemnation. When they die after being condemned the second time, there is no return. Second death, the second death is eternal. So that's what will happen in the fires of hell. The fires of hell will destroy um, the wicked and they will be no more. So this this uh, death is really a destruction, or it's perishing. It's it's being no more, as the Bible often speaks of death, uh, doesn't it, in the Old Testament, and uh, and certainly speaks of uh, really death as being a literal dead end. It's uh, an yes. oblivion. Yeah. And I think you mentioned that word perish. Yes. Mm. Uh, because Jesus said in in um, John three sixteen, or mm. John wrote this. Uh, he said, "For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him uh, may not perish, mm. but have everlasting life." Well, that's good news. You yeah, most famous happens. verse in the whole Bible too. Hard to miss, isn't it? Yes, mm. yes. So well, no, it wouldn't make sense. Imagine. Uh, God keeping a, a, a baby, for example, as some believe, when when a, when babies are not baptized, they believe that they go to hell. Imagine God keeping a baby alive forever and ever and ever in 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 Just, hellfire, yeah, in hellfire. Yes, in in, in a torturous place. Uh, that, yes, that that seems like uh, God is less humane than humans. That idea. True. Mm. Yeah. Why would you punish for eternity? Uh, people who have sinned for 70 years. Mm, that's right. You know, <laughs> something is not right there. Yes, yeah, it's not adding up. Yeah. Another question uh, When and how will hellfire be kindled? Uh, again, Matthew 13, 40 to 42. I'm just using a few phrases from those verses. It says, So it will be at the end of the age, as we read before. The Son of Man will send out his angels and they will cast them into the furnace of fire. This is at the end uh, of the of the earth. How will it be kindled? 
Revelation 20 verse 9 says, They went up on the breadth of the earth and surrounded the camp of the saints, the holy city, and the beloved city, it says there. And then fire came down from God out of heaven and devoured them. In other words, and destroyed them. No more. See? Uh, so the Bible says that God will kindle hellfire. It comes out of himself, out of God from heaven. After the holy city comes down out of heaven, as it says in Revelation 21 verse 2, the wicked will attempt to capture it. And at that time, God will rain down from heaven upon the earth uh, this fire and it will devour the wicked. This fire is hell or the hell, the fires of hell. So in other words, Ricardo, you're saying, or at least the Bible is saying here in Revelation 21, that uh, that hell or hellfire is actually God's intervention to protect yes. the innocent from uh, their persecutors, from those who are just who are trying to march across the face of the earth and destroy them. So it's really Correct. God's last uh, ditch attempt uh, to preserve at least some from destruction. Yes. Uh, he doesn't want to do this uh, no, to the wicked, but they bring it upon themselves. They they do not relent. Mm-hmm. So that that then I guess begins to take us in the direction or begins to answer the question of is Satan in charge of hell? Because that would seem to indicate that that no, he's not. Obviously, he's not. Mm. The fire comes from God. He, mm. the devil, hasn't started that fire. Mm. He will be in that fire. Ah, interesting thought. Yeah, tell us more. <laughs> so uh, some people believe that hell is uh, somewhere in the core of this planet, right? Mm. So uh, and it's in a specific place, but. According to the Bible, how big and how hot will hellfire be? Second Peter 3.10 says this, The day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in which the heavens will pass away with a great noise, and the elements will melt with fervent heat. Both the earth and the works that are in it will be burnt up. So hellfire will be just as big as this earth, because it will be the earth on fire. Mm. on the surface of right. the planet, not in the core of this planet. Mm. And it will not last forever, as we will see. Mm. So this fire will be so hot that it will melt the earth and will burn up all the works that are in it. The atmospheric heavens will explode and pass away with a great noise, we're told. Mm. Yes, yeah, so he- hell will be <laughs> all around this planet, mm. put it that way. Right. So it's not it's not just simply a fire within the planet, but rather instead of fire that uh, that uh, extinguishes or or uh, mm-hmm. annihilates evil upon the face of the earth. That's right. Mm. Such that no uh, no tomahawk or uh, exocet missile could ever do. You know, God is actually going to bring an end uh, to evil on the earth. Yes, and it's very important to realize that the Bible never talks about a fire that will never go out. Mm. It talks about eternal fire, but we would have to understand when the Bible uses eternal fire doesn't mean a fire that will never go out. Remember that the Bible used in in the book of Jude, chapter 1, where there's only one chapter, verse 7, the the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah as an example, because they suffered eternal fire. It doesn't mean that they are still burning, right? Mm. Yet they suffered the punishment of eternal fire. Uh, 
it, but it doesn't mean that the fire never goes away. It simply means that the consequences are eternal and also that the fire will not be quenched until everything that is to be consumed is consumed. Mm. Um, so will the fire of hell eventually go out? Yes, of course. Isaiah 47 verse 14 says in prophetic words, Behold, they shall be a stubble. The fire shall burn them. They shall not deliver themselves from the power of the flame. It shall not be a coal to be warmed by, nor a fire to sit before. And then also in Revelation 21, verses 1 and 4, it says, uh, after, after the fire consumes everything, John, sees, uh, John says, I saw a new heaven and a new earth. So after God burns everything on this earth, including sinners who rejected, totally rejected God, John sees a new heaven and a new earth. God will make everything new. And then it says, and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There shall be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying. There shall be no more pain for the former things have passed away. So the Bible specifically teaches that hellfire will go out, that there will not be left a coal to be warmed by, nor a fire to sit before, as we read in Isaiah. The Bible also says that in God's kingdom, all former things will have passed away. Hell, being one of the former things, is included. Mm. So we have God's promise that it will be, uh, the fire will be uh put out it, it will not last forever otherwise it will be eternal punishing and i don't know but uh, about you but um, i'm sure that you would not enjoy uh, the glories of eternity if you know that you have a loved one who rejected jesus mm. burning alive forever and ever and ever and ever that would not be enjoyable at all no, and so no, no right-minded, uh, pure-minded, sincere, and loving individual, human being, for that matter, would want to see anyone tortured unendingly, uh, forever and ever and ever, would they? Uh, and uh, how much more so then does God, who is love, why would He mm-hmm. wish to do such a thing as well? But I guess you should probably also uh, be quick to point out that uh, no. Uh, sane-minded person would really want to so attach themselves, hopefully we would think anyway, attach themselves to such a pernicious, uh, destructive virus as sin, uh, knowing how it would destroy them and destroy everyone around them. Uh, we want to keep our loved mm-hmm. ones safe, and I guess that's really what God's trying to do, isn't it? He's trying to keep as many as can be saved to be saved and keep us all safe. Um, and sadly, that has meant that some people uh, will uh, determine by their, by their own uh, uh, action and their own decision uh, that they have essentially chosen uh, uh, a life without all the things that God stands for, life itself, love, uh, uh, liberty, and uh, uh, enjoying uh, uh, caring relationships with those around them, uh, choosing instead to do things which ultimately lead to, lead to their destruction. Um, so I guess it's only right and fair that God has intervened or will intervene uh, eventually. He's very patient in the meantime uh, in order to preserve at least some because uh, yes. sadly not everyone will want uh, to have or to live in such a, a wonderful and loving eternity with God, which is which boggles the mind and, and must really hurt the heart of God as well. Mm-hmm. Mm. 
And I know it's hard to understand or to accept because um, many of us have heard from, uh, from, from many years that the teaching that hell is a place in the center of the earth where, you know, if you're really bad, you go there after you die. So the, the teaching has been there for so long that it, it may be difficult to change your mindset, but I would encourage you to please read your Bibles, confirm what it says, and accept the truth as it is in the Bible, because it will set you free. Now, speaking of uh, of uh, being set free in our thinking, uh, the initial question that we asked was, uh, will the devil be in charge of hellfire? And uh, yes. I think we've begun to answer that question quite clearly, but uh, I wonder if you, you'd like to go a little bit deeper with that for us uh, and, mm-hmm. and share with us um, straight from the Scripture, you know, will the devil be in charge of hellfire? And, and uh, because if he is in charge of hellfire, and if God has placed him in charge, then that sort of brings into question God's character, doesn't it? So perhaps you might like to exactly. uh, unpack that for us. Of course. And the Bible says in Revelation 20 and verse 10, the devil who deceived them was cast into the lake of fire. Obviously, he's not in charge. He's going to be cast into that lake of fire. Mm. And Ezekiel 28 verses 18 and 19, talking about Lucifer and everything that will happen to him. It says there, I turned you to ashes upon the earth in the sight of all who saw you. You shall be no more forever. Very clear. Mm. You shall be no more forever. In actual fact, and uh, I really should be bringing this up in front of me, I'm going to try and do that just now, but my, my recollection of that verse uh, is that it speaks of a fire that starts within the devil mm-hmm. uh, that, that burns him up, um, which is a really interesting phrase, don't you think, that, that, uh, mm-hmm. uh, that the devil will be burnt up uh, by this fire that, has, you know, that, that is uh, within him. So to speak. What do you it make has of that? to be something very special because we're told that the fire comes from God, mm. specifically from God out of heaven, but but it causes the devil to burn from from within. It's something interesting. Remember, the devil is a spirit, right? He's a spiritual being. How can you burn a spiritual being? Mm. So it must be something very very special and i understand it this way when i read in the bible that god is like consuming fire mm. for when uh, for sinners uh you know sin cannot withstand the presence of god mm. and so it, it will be consumed in his presence uh, maybe we can understand it this way but it will be literal fire of course that will melt all the elements of this world of this earth before um, God creates everything new, and uh, and the devil and his angels, who are spiritual beings, will also be consumed mm. by this fire. This is a this is a special fire because it comes from God. Yes. This is not just an ordinary fire, mm. right? Yes. So, in other words, um, it's interesting to note the fact that the fire that comes down from heaven and that annihilates the wicked as they're trying to destroy the righteous. I mean, how could God allow yes. uh, everyone to be destroyed? He wants to intervene right. and protect the, the those who have chosen Christ and thus through him are, 
have been uh, have been saved, uh, and this fire comes from outside of them and uh, destroys them. It doesn't take away their free volition as such. You know, they they've already made that choice uh, to uh, to seek out a pattern and, and an end that leads to destruction. But um, when it comes to the devil, it's interesting that uh, this is fire that uh, it's described, even though it comes from God. It's like yes. a fire has come out from within him, uh, almost as if pointing out that uh, this is the one who was the source or the origin of evil and uh, right. really spawned it and uh, projected it and, and uh, uh, enslaved others to it. And, um, and so we need to have the assurance of knowing that, that evil and its very origins and source, we utterly incinerated. There will be no more uh, evil uh, to, no to more. Um, mm-hmm. enslave us or to cause us to fear or to worry for the future. Um, yes. I wonder then, uh, does that mean, Ricardo, that uh, when we think about the future, that uh, there's not going to be then two parallel kingdoms, one, e- one eternally evil and one eternally righteous side by side, um, but rather instead that uh, one will win out and the other one will be no more? Your thoughts they on that? They will and- never coexist. The Bible is full of promises that will make sure that we understand that it's only the kingdom of heaven that will last forever. Um, the devil will perish. In, in Matthew 25, verse 41, Jesus said this, Depart from me, you cursed, into the everlasting fire prepared for the devil and his angels. Right? Mm-hmm. The devil and his angels and all the other sinners who decided to reject God's salvation will be thrown into this fire, mm. which is called everlasting because it will not be quenched until everything that is to be consumed will be consumed. And so the devil, his angels, and all sinners will be consumed, never to be brought back again. Yes. And, so- and so, if you were to if you were to summarize then uh, what we've discussed today, um, as it uh, I guess paints the clearest possible picture of the character of God, what would you say? This is an act of mercy, I would say, mm. from God's part, because um, he 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 will prove that he has done everything that he possibly can to save everyone. And it will be uh, made evident before all human beings. Remember, uh, at one point in time, all human beings who ever existed on this planet will be together because everyone will be resurrected. And uh, it will be made clear that God did everything to save us. And so those who rejected that salvation will understand that this is fair. And by God destroying the wicked, he shows his mercy as well, because for them to remain alive in a state that they hate, which is being with God forever, that would be like torture for them. Mm. And for them to remain alive in fire, that is also totally against God. Yes. So an act of mercy is to to destroy them forever. Mm. And the Bible calls this uh, an act of God that is unusual. Yes. This is not something that he enjoys. No, that's right. <clears throat> he he doesn't wish to do it. He it's not something you'll get any enjoyment from and I'm sure uh, that he will uh 
He will grieve the loss of his mm. loved ones he made throughout all eternity, but he wants us to yes. have the joy of knowing, and he'll have the joy too of knowing that he, he has exactly. at, at least some of his children back home with him, like, protected and safe. We have no reason to go to hell when, when that happens. Yes. And God says, look, we, I have put before you life and death. Please choose life. Why should you die? He says, why should you die? He doesn't understand. After everything that I've done, why should you die? That's in Ezekiel 33, verse 11, by the way. Wonderful. Well, what a wonderful way to to uh, end our program together today. Thank you so much, Ricardo, for for My sharing pleasure. with us hope that lives beyond uh, beyond the uh, uh, the unfortunate world and the, uh, made up of the choices that we've made uh, here and now today. But we can choose instead, choose life, choose God, uh, and Amen. have an eternity with Him. Just want to remind our listeners of our free offer today that will help you in thinking more about this really important topic of judgment and hell. God may be kinder than you think. You can have this free book, this free offer, uh, by simply uh, texting uh, the code word capital S, capital A, S-A, 52 to 0488808811. That's uh, S-A, 52 to 0488808811. And uh, this wonderful free offer will be yours. Well, I wonder uh, if, uh, Ricardo, you'd be happy to close uh, for us in prayer. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, once again, we thank you for the truth that you've revealed to us in the Bible. Please help us understand that hell will not last forever, and it's an act of mercy from your part to destroy sin forever and ever so that we can enjoy eternity with you. Lord, open our eyes to your truth as we come to you daily. We ask and thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. This program has been made possible by the support of Adventist World Radio.